Greetings, friends and fellow demons, and welcome to another Demonosophy. Well, y'all are my patrons and demons out there, so um, so y'all get to hear about it first. I got a new tattoo. I've been thinking about it for quite some time. I wanted to get a dragon over here. Um, so here it is. I'm pretty happy with it. This is done by uh, the artist's name is Owen, who works at um, Assassin Tattoo in Houston. It's in the Montrose area. It's a big black and red house on uh, Westheimer, uh, right, right close to where Numbers is, if you know that area. One of those uh, goth clubs where Asmodeus Sex used to play a lot of shows. Um, and uh, it's a, it's 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 a Asian Asian owned um, and uh, the tattoo artist was Asian and very good for things like this. Um, there's there's uh, there's other communication that kicks in and and, and everything was just absolutely uh, absolutely perfect with it. Um, uh, and 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 it got me thinking about things. I've talked about tattoo um, tattoos before on the show. I. Uh, had a couple of tattoo artists on and 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 I have a very um magical approach to tattooing. I have an initiatory approach to tattooing. I consider tattoos to be a rite of passage. And for me every tattoo that I get it represents um not only um an effort of will or a wish um an internal wish or an internal uh, perspective, or, or a magical idea, um, but it, it 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 also represents where I was at that time. Um, the tattoos on the body thus become kind of like a totem. They're like a totem of uh, where you've been and and what you've done. And so I've always like thought about, you know, in terms of the the image on it you know, represents, you know, some, you know, where you were at the time and what you were thinking at the time. And it takes you back there. Um, but I was looking at this one here. So this one I got in 1993, which if you're into uh, Thelema and occult stuff and you were around at that time, you recall that was a very significant year because of the number 93 is important for Aleister Crowley and the band Current 93 and in 1993, there's a lot of talk about that. But um, just because of that, I, the, the, this tattoo wasn't for that year, but um, it takes me back to that year. And I was thinking, I realized this. I mean, maybe this is just totally obvious and everyone else like has realized this also. But not only is the image from 19, from, you know, as I conceived and as it was done in 1993, but literally, literally the ink, the substance, the material substance that's in there, in my skin is from 1993. Nothing else in my body is, right? We know this like biologically, all of the cells in your body, skin, you know, skin, blood, bones, organs, everything has like died and been reborn, replicated within every 24 hours. Literally, 
every day you're a different person um, from a material standpoint. Something in us keeps us consistent uh, within our consciousness. What is that? And that's a, that's a whole nother question. But like your consciousness, which ma maintains a consistency over the millions and millions, the constant death and rebirth that's going on within your body, also this ink that you put in your cell stays there. And we know it, it changes and kind of moves over time, but it's like hanging on. The substance of that ink stays there. And I think that's so fascinating um, about, uh, it, it, it says something about material continuity. So uh, those that study the idea of Leviathan, the idea of continuity, is is an important idea. The Diabolicon talks about this in terms of Leviathan. It, it says that Leviathan is a principle of continuity and uh, absolute existence. So it's really easy to take that from a Neoplatonic standpoint and say, oh yeah, that continuity is non-material consciousness. But this is material continuity. So what other things are like that in the world? Well, one of the things that uh, we've talked about before that is like that is the material substance, gold. Now, you know, gold is never thrown away. People don't trash your gold, put it in the incinerator, forget about it. No, it's never lost. It's, it's melted down. Um, it's melted down and used to make other gold things and, and, and stuff like that. So over the centuries, gold, the, the molecules of gold travel, you know, into different forms and in different locations. And so literally any gold that you buy today or any gold that you might come into possession of today, it could literally have within it molecules of gold, AU. So literally all those little elements of AU in there, they could be from Babylon, from Egypt. So any piece of gold that, that you're holding in your hand you're not just holding something that's of substantial value today, but it was of substantial value thousands and thousands of years ago, aeons ago, millennia ago, maybe even before the flood, who knows? But that's why I call it super substantial because it's beyond the merely substantial. It transcends something uh, beyond the ordinary, it becomes extraordinary that's probably enough about tattoos all right well that's enough about tattoos let's talk some more about Thelema and Alistair Crowley uh, shout out to patron Jeff Kinsley who commented on episode 109 dear Paul thanks for the video synchronistically I have started reading confessions would you consider doing a video explaining your thoughts on true will uh, Telos, long desire. Thank you. And let's keep the dark fire burning. I agree, Jeff. Let's totally keep the dark fire burning. Um, so true will. Let's, let's talk about 
true will. Um, because there's this aspect of Thelema, and, and I think Crowley used that term, true will. What is your true will? There's this aspect of Thelema that sounds like, just do, do, what, do whatever you want, you know, do what thou wilt. It can mean do whatever you want, or it can mean do what you will. In other words, not just what you want. There's a difference between want and will. Now, I think a lot of people do take it in the want sense. And that's why you also see there's a lot of um, association of mass hedonism uh, going on with Crowley. And he certainly encouraged that with his own mass hedonism and, and orgies and stuff like that. So to... Um, clarify it a little bit I think it's really helpful going into Crowley to consider the idea that man is a two-natured being man is a two-natured being so what that means is um, there's there's a, a few different ways of, of that that all plays out there's the idea of a ascending current and a descending current. Um, but in, in this instance, um, I think it's really useful to look at the way uh, Gurdjieff and Ospensky articulated this in terms of essence and personality. Every individual is comprised of these two things, essence and personality. Your essence is what you come into the world with. And personality is what you acquire as a result of being in the world. So essence is kind of like, one way of looking at it is that at the moment of your birth, there's a genetic blueprint of what you are and everything that you can become. Because when you come into being and when you're born, you don't, um, you're going to grow a lot. There's still a lot of things that are going to happen. And, and, and we believe that that genetic blueprint, all of those possibilities are encoded in there. Some things can change based on what, once you're born then, some things can change based on the interaction with the world that takes place, right? People can have their genes fucked up. Uh, with, with, with drugs and injections and shit. They can, people can like their, you know, posture, you know, can like go bad through like repeated, you know, repeated uh, repetition of, of, of bad postures and, and stuff like that. And then there's all the psychological things that happen, all the indoctrination that, 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 that takes place. And um, like Ospensky said, is specifically... It gets to the point where essence essence is almost completely uh, nullified in a in a in a human being. And nowadays, by by the ba somewhere between the ages of like eight to twelve, or you know six to ten, somewhere in childhood. And, and today, it's really obvious that this conforms with indoctrination into the public school systems. This is one of the main things that that public school education does is it completely dampens 
uh, essence and, and covers it with this coding of personality through indoctrination and training and teaching of like habitual mannerisms and habitual ways of thinking and, 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 and stuff like that. And, and, and um, I, I could go on and on. We emerge from public school as basically automatons. So all of the other things that um, Fourth Way talks about is like multiple eyes, the idea that we have different eyes within us. This, that all takes place in the realm of personality. Those all live within personality and they're basically different personalities is another way of looking at it. It's like this big coating of like amorphous, bubbling, schizophrenic shit that just like gets glommed over all whatever our core essence is and our core essence gets hidden like uh, deeply, deeply within that. Um, you know, here's a, there's all kinds of mythologies about this too. There's all kinds of stories about this, about this struggle between personality and essence and how does essence like come back? Essence only comes back through some sort of like shock or some divine like intervention or something like that. Um, so it's Easter recently, a few weeks ago it was Easter. And um, one of the things that I do every Easter, don't laugh, is I watch uh, the Ten Commandments with Yul Brenner and Charlton Heston. Uh, one of the greatest Cecil B. DeMille films of all time. Um, I love all of the Egyptian shit in it. I love uh, Edward G. Robinson. Um, it's it, it's got um, uh, Henry Fonda. It's got like uh, all, so many great. Uh, actors in it and it's uh, such a wonderful film and the burning bush and the voice of God I shall not to bear false witness is just like so so amusing but an interesting thing about that whole story is that one way of looking at it is that it represents the struggle between essence and personality so essence is portrayed embodied by Moses, that he, he has this connection with the divine, the divine reminded him like of who he really is and stuff. And so then he's struggling to separate from his personality, right? Which is Egypt because he was born Egyptian. And so he was coded his essence of what he really was, which is a Hebrew was coded with this Egyptian like personality, right? And so he breaks away from that because of a shock right a shock of like he kills someone um and so he has to leave but so egypt and and ramses pharaoh uh represents personality so he keeps going back it's like essence keeps going back to personality and saying you know let my people go means let let me go uh from personality and personality is like no i won't let you go and and he's fickle and he'll say, oh yeah, I'll let you go tomorrow. Yeah, I'm gonna let you go. And then they all get ready. He's like, oh no, I changed my mind. I'm not gonna let you go. Um, he's like back and forth. He's confused. Uh, Yul Brenner just portrays it. They add a lot in the movie. Um, but I mean, he portrays it so well as like he, when he like, you know, he, he's angry at one moment and then he's like crying like the next moment. It's it's how like, how like uh, fickle and, and inconsistent personality and, and multiple eyes are. And it's like that 
that that that's symbol of the exorcism. I know this gets weird from a left-hand path perspective because people always want to say, "Oh no, the devil is good and the exorcist is a bad guy." But just 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 look at it from outside any culturally uh, programmed context. That like how like the the when when they try and cast out like that demon, the demon's like, "No, I won't let him go," because the demon is not really the person. It doesn't really represent the the person's inner inner self, right? Uh, it represents something that's like taking them over. So this is literally the case with everyone. If you just step outside of it, this is literally the case with every human being. Our essence is totally covered, coated with uh, personality. So getting back to will and the idea of true will, this personality has all kinds of wills. And this is why you never finish any of your projects. This is why you never get anything done. This is why you have like uh, all kinds of like great ideas, but nothing ever gets gets completed because you're not the same same person all the time. The personalities are just completely shifting because for the most part, your personalities are reactionary. They're reacting to what's going on in the universe around you and to the people that you interact with every day. You have a different personality for that person, this person, that person, different personality for work, different personality at the club, different personality when you're at the grocery store, different personality with your wife, different personality with your kids, just on and on and on. So personality is a confused and fitful presence, okay, which is one of the aspects of Harware is discussed in the book of Coming Forth by Night, um, which we can get into a little bit later. So there's like many wills there. There's not a single and consistent will. And so that's definitely an idea with true will. So true will, if such a thing exists, actually that's in essence. That's hidden away in essence somewhere, right? It's hidden and you have to do something to get to it. You have to do, you don't just wake up and have it. You have to go through some kind of like process or something to be able to get to that true will. And you don't just articulate it immediately, right? When you're like, oh, I want a new car or, you know, um, I want this, I want that. Um, that's not your true will. That's a want and that's from personality. Your true will is really something that's like not really um, speakable, not something that you can fully articulate uh, in your current uh, state of where you're at. So the thing with essence and personality is that by doing certain things, by if you lessen the force of personality a little bit, by doing stuff, then essence will start to grow again. Okay, then you'll start to actually grow again the way your genetic blueprint at birth, your DNA wanted you to. And again, essence, it's important not to mystify all of this, non-materialize, it's totally material. It's totally material. Your essence, you know, Gurdjieff once famously said, 
I have swarthy skin and, and brown eyes. That's part of my essence. Uh, Piotr over there has blue skin and, and, or fair skin and blue eyes. That's part of his essence. So it, it's definitely always been conceived as like DNA. It's part of that. It's part of what that is. It just gets like suffocated at a certain point and only functions at a bare minimum. So to get to that true will, we have to do some things to get to it. We have to, how are we gonna like lessen personality? So that's where a lot of controversy comes in to just lay it out there. So Alistair Crowley like suggests a bunch of different, like, I mean, it, a lot of the magical stuff that he, a lot of the things he talks about then after the Lima, the practices are things really in the, within the context of getting to that, getting closer to that um, essence. He didn't use the term essence and personality. So Crowley did represent this idea of man as a two-natured being in the structure of the Book of the Law, where he talks about, because there's like three parts of the Book of the Law. It's like uh, knew it, had it, and Ra Korprat or Parkorprat or whatever, Horus, Harpocrates. Um, and so, so had it would most likely represent, um, it, it, it represents set, and it also represents, would represent essence. Uh, and if we just try and like draw an analogy, uh, the book of Nuit, which is like the goddess of the, the night sky, represents the the objective universe or the uh the, the cause the cosmos um and and then harpocrates would represent or sometimes it gets confused and he associates associates it with awas but i'm i'm going to associate it with harpocrates for the purpose of this that represents personality okay so there's essence and personality and then the cosmos uh, that it's in. And the, the essence and personality, uh, Hadith and Hippocrates represents the two essential aspects of the self um, that we've been talking about here. So the other things that Crowley starts talking about in terms of like that, that would help you get closer to essence or closer to uh, true will, um, basically, you know, a bunch of ceremonial magic, a bunch of ceremonial magic and thinking about it a lot. Um, and then he also somewhere in, in that milieu, he has meditation in there and yoga. And then he also has lots and lots of drug use and partying. Um, and just like everything. So, so look, all of the drug use and partying that really harms essence. It really does. It doesn't do anything to help essence. It doesn't do anything to get you closer to true will. It, uh, it, if anything, it feeds personality and can feed it um, to the point where it, it, it can make it worse. It can make per, uh, personality uh, much worse. And, and the goal here is not to get rid of personality. Um, 
it, it's it's easy to jump to that conclusion that that since uh, personality is damped dampened the growth of essence, we need to like get rid of it completely. Well, you can't get rid of it completely. Uh, personality is the natural result of us like interacting with new it, the objective universe, interacting with like other beings. It, it's a piece of this too. It's just not supposed to be the leader. That's what we're trying to do. If we can like awaken essence so it starts growing again and essence becomes the leader, then then personality will support essence. Personality will come to support your self-work, to support your initiation, to support the growth of essence, to support true will, okay? So, and and so like you know ceremonial magic and 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 philosophizing i believe it can open doors towards moving in that direction but by itself it can't actually uh make the make that change it can't actually tip the scales to get essence like growing again. That, that is only done with shocks and consciously received shocks. Um, in my opinion, is the only way that that's ever really done. Now, ceremonial magic and philosophy can get you to the point where you start to learn that you need to have consciously received shocks, right? That you need to start taking this higher form of nourishment um, and, 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 and it can take you like right there. But then there's certain efforts that have to be made beyond that, which will actually get to the point where something is activated within you. Something begins working within you. And that is what will start essence growing again um, and, and, and start getting you in the direction of having true will, having uh, thelema, um, as, as I would call it. Um, uh, this book, Secret of the Golden Flower, uh, is also like, is, is a good resource for uh, information on this, on, on consciously received shocks and how essence like starts growing again. They talk about the primordial spirit uh, comes back to, to live. And it's all done through meditation, um, through uh, si silence and stillness and sitting type awareness, um, which is another thing I advocate. I don't talk about it as much because it is not as interesting to talk about, but um, I think as these um, sessions continue on, uh, it's inevitable that we're going to get uh, uh, deeper into that 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 side of things. That's inevitably where it leads. Um, if I so to, to put it in context with everything I've said so far, I inevitably have to like go that direction with these talks. Otherwise, I'm just sitting up here in the personality area, and so. I have to sit up in the personality area to some extent because that's where that's what the people out there like 
That's what people want, you know? People love personality. That's how uh, an individual's personality becomes like so powerful because it's fed by all this attention and applause. Or people love it when you're, oh, he's got a great personality. Oh, I just love her personality. Um, people love it. You know, that's what acting is and, and musician, any kind of stage stagecraft uh, involves, you know, putting, putting forth a personality with great vigor and enthusiasm. But the irony there is that the greatest, uh, greatest actors you know, draw upon essence, aspects of essence to, to, to be able to do that. So this ties in nicely with the, uh, with Jeff's other question of telos. Um, so telos is a, a, a Greek word, which basically means uh, purpose. Um, and we have the word uh, teleology, like a study of, of purpose. It's a word that Aristotle used a lot. Um, it's also a word that Dr. Aquino used a lot. Um, and, and the idea is that things can be studied or understood in terms of their purpose. What is the purpose of a thing? What is the purpose of this war? What is the purpose of this school? What is the purpose of this effort? What is the purpose of government? Um, and that by studying things within that context, you, you can understand them better, as well as yourself to take this um, to the question of self-study one could say, what is my purpose? What is the purpose of life on earth, human life in particular, and more particular still, my individual life on earth? Is there a purpose? Is there not a purpose? Um, and really for someone to begin to make uh, steps towards uncovering essence, towards apprehending one's true will, it's really inevitable. It's, it, it's, there has to be a purpose. So telos is a, is, a, is a fundamental part of any of this. So contrast this with the previous discussions that we have about postmodernism. And one of the um, ideas in postmodernism is that there is no purpose uh, for things. There is no ultimate purpose uh, for, for, for life on earth. Um, it's just a thing and with no, no intrinsic meaning. Um, and, and, and so you, you can see how it's opposed from that sense, in another way in which uh, the ideas, the milieu of ideas in postmodernism are really opposed to any sort of uh, self-initiation or self-perfection, self-becoming. Um, and, and, and you could go further and say that this is like, you know, postmodernism is really something, and Bolshevism and hashish cults and discordianism and all of this is something that has kind of grown out of personality and chaos magic grown 
out of personality, grown out of that aspect of Aleister Crowley's teaching. Um, and, you know, the more you look at it, the more you get this sense of like Aleister Crowley is, is just a great embodiment of this, these two natures, the uh, two natures of, 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 of man, of essence and personality. And what happened was the personality won in the end, the personality won with him. Um, but there's something about that, that explosion of personality that somehow put those ideas out there more. So you take something like, like the way, uh, like, like other prophets are often depicted. And I'm thinking, you know, uh, you know, Zarathustra, Muhammad, Moses, I just mentioned, and, and Jesus, they're really depicted as being totally essential. Like they don't have personalities. They don't have all of that. It's like they've somehow like overcome that. If they do do anything, like occasionally there's, there's always a story, there's stories like this with Buddha or something that, you know, one day he got mad and yelled at someone and then everyone, you know, learned something from it. Like even when um, someone with like an advanced essence like that does something really personality-ish, like they make a joke, or they get crazy or they get mad, they blow their cool, it ends up being like some kind of like teaching like like thing. So I'm not saying that that's how it is in reality. I'm saying that's how it's portrayed to us in mythology. That's the idea of personality being in service to essence. And that's another way of looking at it, which we've talked about before, to ask the question of in service to what, which he, with each thing. And this is another way of identifying telos, in service to what? to what purpose and in 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 relation to the self and the two nature two naturedness of being personality should be in service to essence then we might be able to say we have a clue about thelema or true will and then we'll be able to keep the dark fires burning. <laughs>